1: Future Golf is Australia's largest golfing community for younger players, providing access to some of Australia's best courses. Your membership includes free rounds, over 100 discounted green fees Australia-wide, a free professional lesson and ex-golf simulator session, and, of course, the all-important Golf Australia handicap. The best part, though, the price. For 19th Tee listeners, you can get a huge 20% off any Future Golf membership with the promo code, the 19th thtee So if you're looking for a place to play without the jacket and tie, Look no further than Future Golf. Head to futuregolf.com.au forward slash join and don't forget to use the 19th tee promo code for a huge 20% off. Future Golf, play your way. Welcome back to the 19th tee podcast. Kieran Marsh, well, Kieran Marsh back with you for the first time in a few weeks, joined as I always am by Droodster. Drew, my friend.
0: How are we? We're back. Yeah, I know. It's been a little while between uh, between recording sessions here. We've been pushing out a little bit of other content, but there's been plenty happening in the world of golf over the last few weeks.
1: There has been, Druids. We've obviously had a few winners on the PGA Tour, including most recently this week, the CJ Cup at Shadow Creek, including Jason Kokrak. Last week, Martin Laird on a sponsor exemption. Unbelievable. We've had a winner Another ladies major again this year. We've had a couple of hometown events in the WA Open as well as the Capera Bowl over the weekend. We've had a spat in the last few weeks between Bryson and Matt Fitzpatrick. We've had Brooks back on the PGA Tour for the first time in eight weeks. there has been a bit going on. I'd just like to address up the top dreads. I've had a few messages. Have I resigned from the 19th season? It's been a few weeks (laughs) uh, since I've been on, but no. You've been doing a more than ample job uh, in the last couple of weeks. Uh, I joke often about there being an 80-20 split in workload on this podcast. It's probably become more evident in the past three
0: weeks
1: (laughs) in terms of how much you carried it. But no, back uh, back on board after a busy few weeks work-wise, I think what I do want to bring to everyone's attention, Druids, you said this to me off-air before we started recording. You probably didn't anticipate that I'd raise it on-air. You are, in fact, recording uh, from the carpet floor of a wardrobe this evening.
0: Yeah, I can take a photo and I'll put it on our uh, Instagram actually, but uh, yeah, just moved into a new place and doing a few little reno's um, before we get everything settled. So we're yeah, currently recording from the floor of a wardrobe uh, with a bit of soundproofing from the, uh, from the cushions from the bed. So further makeshift proof, as it is.
1: Further proof that we certainly don't have the budget. Of other golfing podcasts, um, <laughs> but we do what we can, where we can, to make it work. That adds to the list, I think, of unique recording studios we've had. i of course, spent some time in the car, out in the carport, uh, for a period of time in our early days. Uh, moved to the front porch in the old house. I'm currently recording from the laundry this evening, uh, and you're on the floor of the wardrobe. So, just a demonstration to the great listeners of this podcast that uh, we go above and beyond to make things work and get this content out on a weekly. Basis streets, but let's take a look at the PGA Tour. Jason Kokrak, a winner, as we said. The CJ Cup at Shadow Creek. Of course, this is one of those uh, events usually played in Asia. We are currently in the Asian swing, which just so happens to be in the Nevada desert. Uh, at this point in time, Jason Kokrak, a two-shot winner over Zend Shoffley. Couldn't be a more appropriate place in the world for Jason Crowcrack to win than Las Vegas, Droods, because the man loves to gamble. Big-time poker player is Jason Crowcrack. I know we've got a couple of questions through asking who the bloody hell is he, and we'll, we'll go into that probably in, in just a moment. But an impressive win, Droods, when you consider uh, who he's held off, Xander Shoffley. Again, another second-place finish, and our very own Jason Day was there and thereabouts only uh, withdrawing there then after the uh, the second hole in the final
0: round reds. Mm, yeah, it was uh, obviously disappointing if we want to start with with JDA. Eh? Um I mean look we obviously we know the back injuries that have plagued his probably his career for the last you know 3 to 4 years. Um but now this was a neck injury. Uh so not really sure how that's come about, but yeah, he said that he wanted to play a full month of golf before the Masters uh, in mid November there and that's obviously Going you know, to rule him out for uh, from from doing that. So really interesting. Uh, but I suppose if you look at it from the flip side, really really positive that he was there or thereabouts for for three days. Really,
1: and genuinely contending. Uh, as you say, uh, probably a slight concern that this is not the back. Uh, hmm. The back would have been expected. The back was probably anticipated in many ways, shapes, or form. Given as you said, the length of time he's now been playing consecutively. Now that this is potentially a ripple effect from the back injury that's crept into the neck, or maybe this is a new injury altogether. But uh, obviously I think he, did, I think he tripled the first, was that right mm-hmm. today? So obviously yep. he went out there and uh, obviously wanted to give it a crack and, and was no good after one hole, which he knew, but understand it happened in the warmup. Mm. So not necessarily the creak in the neck that you or I might wake up with in the morning, having slept in the wrong angle or direction. This appears to have happened maybe mid swing in the warm-up, which is interesting in and of itself. Um, to your point, though, the fact that he has strung together the best part of a month's worth of consecutive golf and is built towards uh, putting himself in a position to contest after 54 holes in the final day of a PGA Tour event, I think is, you know, probably continuing that that run of returned form he's seen, albeit interrupted in the last 18 months. You, you know, you would you would suggest at times he's been our best golfer, especially more recently, he's been our best Australian on the PGA Tour. Mm. It's just a matter of always having that same problem dreads always having that same challenge the further he progresses in his career is having extended runs
0: in between. Well, we, it's funny that we say that he's probably been our best golfer because he's the only only one not to win this year mm. um which is quite odd but he you're right he's been very very consistent at times of course he had that run of well, i think it was four or five top 10 finishes at, at one point there in yeah. leading into the pga championship and it was in some really good form um, at the, at the um, at Harding park there. So second time he's withdrawn this year due to injury, uh, which is concerning. Um, but like, I think you pointed out, I think you put it really well. You know, if it was the back, we would go Oh, here, here comes the back flaring up again. But as long as, you know, the fact that it is something new is, is perhaps slightly concerning. I mean, he mentioned that his back had been stiff. So maybe he did something to, um, you know, in trying to remedy the back, he's done something to the neck. So, Hopefully it's not too serious of an injury and then he's out and he misses too many tournaments. Um, but yeah, it's um, it's certainly something that we've, we've got to keep our eye on, I would imagine.
1: Back to Xander Schauffele, Drews. I want to raise that. I mean, this is a conversation we, we continue to have on this podcast and and at the risk of sounding like a broken record, it's another nubber second place finish for yeah. Xander Shoffley another second place finish this year alone. We'll be up around the second or third or maybe even fourth second place finish in, in this calendar year, obviously not the season year for the PJ tour as we started again, but just incredible. I, I mean, he is consistently one of the best golfers in the world without necessarily getting, the results, not not to be shied away from, he's had four PGA Tour victories in his life. And we've spoken, uh, Ad nauseum, about his ridiculous run of top tens and top fives at majors, but seemingly has this little, uh, and you only have to call it a mental a hurdle now of getting over the line to win a tournament. Mm.
0: Yeah, it's it's funny, well, with Xander because we, you know we both rate him so incredibly highly as do many in the golf world, but. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah lots of second place finishes lots of top 10s i mean you know we always we always talk about you would you rather be a five time you know pga tour winner or f- finish in the top top 10 15 times i don't know which one you'd rather have as a career but it's it, it's so interesting with Xander you know when he when you look at some of the caliber of players that he comes up against you know this week you know the strength of field wasn't Fantastic this week. I mean, we had some some great names. Obviously, Tyrrell Hatton was there, but you look at some of the others. The names that were, were around him weren't big, big names. And you'd probably expect he he was probably the best in inverted inverted commas uh, best golfer in the in the field this week. So, I think he would walk away from that being a little disappointed. I mean, I think he bogeyed sixteen. I think I think he was six under at that point. No, he was seven under, um, and then bogeyed sixteen. And, um, you know, that, that, you know, potentially puts the, puts the pressure on Kokrak a little bit and who knows what could have happened from there. But, uh, yeah, falters, falters again, I suppose, down the stretch. We take a look at the winner you mentioned, uh, Drutes, Jason
1: Kokrak. Uh, <laughs> quite exceptional. This might be a good time to pivot because I know that we had a couple of questions, as we always do. We threw open... Uh, the the gambit to questions ahead of tonight's recording session. And there were uh, a number, uh, essentially around the same theme, who the hell is Jason Cochrane? Yes. Uh, so obviously not. He's a name that I think you'd need to have a more than casual knowledge of golf to probably be familiar with. Um, in his defense, I think he's done... Uh, quite well across the last 18 months. He's, he's been popping up in, you know, not necessarily top threes, but probably top 10, top 20s a lot more as Jason Kokrak. Mm-hmm. You'd be amazed, as uh, as I sure I was, to know that he's had 233 <laughs> events played in his career on the PGA Tour. Mm. Remarkable.
0: Yeah, yeah he's, play- he's been around for a long time. I think 2008 might yes. have been his first year on the Tour, or turned pro 2008. Like, he's been around for a bloody long time.
1: And this was his maiden tour of victory.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I mean, like, I'm just looking back at some of his performances from last year. T8 at the WGC HSBC Jesus Champions. Uh, um, T3 at the Charles Schwab. T6 at the BMW Championship. And then I think he was in the top, he might have been in, in the top 20, top 15 at the US Open, I think, off from England. He's 17. So, the there you the go. US so, like, he's been playing pretty consistently good golf. He's just not one of those players that you, you hear a hell of a lot about uh, but you know, breaks through for a maiden victory and bloody well deserved, I think. Well, I mean, Sunday sixty four. Yeah. Any time that you
1: rattle off a of sixty four uh, on the most important day of the weekend, uh, you, you're worthy of a winner. And I'm just scrolling down now through the list. Drude's, uh well and truly looks like the round of yep. the day. Low round. True Hatton was next, I think, at seven under. So that's, I mean. Not too often, um, you know, on on the on the measure of and volume of tournaments, do you see your, your leader and eventual winner have the low round of a Sunday? Usually, that's a little person sneaking in for a backdoor top ten. Um, Patrick Reed, Reed. <laughs> <laughs> very, very much, Patrick, Patrick Reed, thoroughly deserving of his maiden PJ Tour victory that Sunday, sixty four, two hundred and thirty three events played as I said drew its 151 cuts made career top tens 28 three third places three seconds um, what do you reckon his earnings have been across
0: uh, those 12 13 odd seasons oh Jesus you are really testing me now um, I don't know somewhere like in their 15 mm-hmm. range
1: that's very very good 14 million eight hundred ninety one thousand seven hundred fifty two
0: dollars. U.S. It's not, it's not a bad, so, little, not, not a bad, a bit of pocket change.
1: Not bad for a guy who's just won his first. Uh, I tell you where he also wins some money druids on the poker tour, as I alluded to, big time poker player is co-crack. Uh, and as I said, some some serendipity, I think, winning his first uh, PGA Tour event in the Nevada desert. <laughs> uh, he has featured heavily on those really cheesy um, poker television shows in the United States. Mm-hmm. Uh, a proponent of the indoor sunglass whilst playing uh, World Series poker. Right there. Uh, so one of the great flogs, really, when you think about it. I don't know much more about him than this, but anyone who I... Do you reckon I, he wears his like, golfing well, golfing sunglasses? Probably the speed dealers. Yeah. yeah on the poker table. Right there. Um, I just, yeah, I, I, that's an immediate change of channel for me if I see someone <laughs> wearing sunglasses at the poker table inside. Grow, um, up. Yeah, grow up. grow yeah. up. the only person allowed to wear sunglasses inside, well, probably two people El- Elton John and Bono. That's, that's, that's really about it. they the right. Um, Jason Kokrak, respectfully, has not. So I hope that answers the question uh, for yes. th- that a number of people posed to us who the hell is Jason Kokrak?
0: Yeah. Um,
1: a there and thereabouts golfer who thoroughly deserves his Maiden PGA to a victory.
0: Yeah, he absolutely does. Absolutely does. Uh, anyone else you want to highlight? Because I've got a couple that I'd like to pull out.
1: Yeah, I just want to go down. I mean, you, you mentioned that, that Xander Shoffley was probably the best player in the field. He had some stiff competition, Druids. Um, you know, we had Justin Thomas there, T twelve. Again limped out the the back door today with a seventy-four. Uh also T twelve Colin Morikawa. uh Sunday seventy-three for him. Uh also want to mention Druids. Uh we had Rory McElroy there at T twenty one. But as I said, Brooks Kepka first returned to the PGA Tour in eight weeks. Um, yeah. The injuries continue to pile up for Brooks and there seems to be some genuine mystery around what they are. Um, I, I recently heard it described as the type of injury reports you get out of the NHL. It's a lower leg injury, uh, which I found quite humorous uh, given um, not only it's, it's accurate, but it's also the the level of ridiculousness you do get out of the NHL. Uh, but eight weeks layoff to come back uh, and he finished five under one over today, but five under for the tournament in T28. So not an overwhelming comeback from Brooks, but given where he's been at in terms of managing those lower leg injuries, uh, probably not all that bad either to come back with uh, with a T28 five under finish.
0: Yeah. I think you'll be pleased with, uh, with Friday and Saturday's rounds, not so much the uh, the bookends of, of his weekend or of his week rather. But uh, yeah, shot sixty eight in those two days. But um, yeah, maybe my comment about um, Shorefly being the best golfer in the field—it's pretty shit take, actually. a bit of a a leaderboard leaderboard. uh, leaderboard Well, there was a lot of players that, like you mentioned, that uh, that just weren't in the top top half of the field. I mean, the top five was Kokrak, Shawflay, Hatton, Russell Henley, and Taylor Gooch. Correct. I mean, I could be forgiven. Um, But correct. One more Adels. that I'd like to mention, actually, yeah. before you before you dig in. Uh,
1: so, finishing T38 with a Sunday 67 and jumping 13 spots in the final round, Jordan Spieth. Yeah, Headish finished one that I was going to mention too. Boom. So, his his week was quite the inverse of, uh, of JT. He had 74, 74, 69, 67. So, was lucky to make the cut and finish strongly.
0: Yeah, and again, just uh, honestly, he just serves up Allen's all sorts every week. Does Jordan Spieth dead set starts with bogeying two of the first five holes on day one, finishes with uh, birdies on eight and nine, then makes a triple on fourteen. So it's all it's he is dead set all over the place. He made a triple on four on uh, on Friday. He's made bogeys bloody all week, uh, but. His Sunday was uh, was really quite impressive. I mean, look, the, the back nine, 10, 10 through 17 was not that great, uh, which makes me wonder how good the round actually could have been uh, had, he, had he put it all together. eagle data and obviously to, to finish the round even par, but uh, sorry to finish the back nine even par, should I say. But again, just like dead set, just throws up a mixed bag every single week and you never know what you're going to get out of him. Mm. I I was
1: a little bit buoyed by this performance. Um, Cautious when I say that, because I feel like I say that every third or fourth week, I'm to be let down. So we'll be next week and (laughs) see if there's any sort of consistency or improvement again out of that performance. But I was a little bit buoyed by the manner in which he finished the weekend, given how he started.
0: No, I agree. Yeah, no, no, no. I certainly agree. I mean, look, we said the same thing after the Charles Schwab last year and or last season. Um, and it's, yeah, and I mean, look, it hasn't really delivered, he hasn't really delivered um, a hell of a lot after that, but certainly some positive signs there for him and I think, I mean, hopefully that just gives him a little bit of uh, confidence, um, you know, moving forward because I think that's, that's the key part to his game at the moment.
1: What I will say, uh, and, and not that we generally make a habit of promoting other golf podcasts on this golf podcast, but he sat down for an excellent I was going to say one-on-one, but there's two hosts, two-on-one with the Golf Subpar uh, mm. podcast last week. Uh, about an hour and a half of uninterrupted Jordan Spieth. As you can imagine, I was in Nirvana. Uh, obviously, <laughs> the old push push notifications on the phone when any Jordan Spieth content comes up. Uh, so straight away, we're down in there, hit the download button. Um, but honestly, it was, I don't know, I, I tend to pump his tires up a fair bit, uh, both on this podcast and just generally in conversation with you outside of the record button. It was excellent. Uh, yeah, and it was If you listen to that I think You know If you can spare an hour and a half You'll understand why I remain Confident That this is An aberration This is not Where he'll be for the remainder of his career I just I can't Watch him I can't know what he's capable of I can't listen to him speak for an hour and a half And not think that he will get back To where he was But also not Be reminded, Druids, about why he is my favorite player and why golf is so much better when he is successful. Because he he honestly, and I guess lost a bit in the noise because he's had such a quick fall from grace and there's so many other good players in the game. But I, I am unequivocal in my belief that the game is better when he's successful. And if you take 90 minutes to sit down and listen to that podcast, you'll understand why.
0: Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I thought it was an excellent interview. <laughs> um, you know, he's very open. He's very honest, uh, which I don't think, you know, a lot of people um, deliver that in interviews anymore. Uh, but he was really open and honest, and I thought, it was, um, I thought it was an hour and a half very well spent, and I knew that you would probably be the first person to uh, download it. Well, see, I don't mind him promoting it because the chances of us ever getting
1: a two-on-one with Jordan Spieth, uh, despite how hard I will try, uh, are <laughs> slim. So, not that I want to deprive the listeners of any Jordan Spieth based content. So, I'm I'm more than happy to push
0: a good chat with with Flair Jordan. Let me did, go I, back. Sorry, oh, yeah. no, I did have to just say uh, I did feel a little bad when we had Adam Bland on the podcast and you weren't available for the recording of that, and we did get to have a conversation about you know him playing with Jordan Spieth. So. Mm. I did feel a little bad for you, but uh, look. That's actually as close as we've got to Jordan Spieth was Adam Bland's
1: story about playing with Jordan Spieth. And that's not in any way, shape or form to take away from Adam Bland. In fact, I've never been more envious of a guest that we've had on. And that's saying something because we've had some guests on. Um, but yeah, I was, I was a little disappointed, Dreds. Uh, and I'm sure that you, your heart bled for a mere
0: second before you moved on to the next question. No, I did. I did. I did feel sorry for <laughs> you.
1: Yeah, take me back to the players that you wanted to single out from this uh, week. So it was CJ Cup.
0: First one was Cameron Smith, uh, finishing yeah. in Smithy, yeah, finishing in eleventh. Uh a really good round today, four under sixty-eight, had um had sixty-eights on, on both Saturday and Sunday. It was the second round that just really took him completely out of contention uh with with a seventy-four. So uh, he'll be kicking himself that, uh, that he didn't uh, play well on Friday. But I thought that it was a, a really solid round from uh, or solid week from Cam. Uh, it's probably one of the better rounds that he's put together in the last little while. Uh, obviously, we know the Aussies have been struggling a little bit. And we, we've touched on Jason Day. But the other one uh, as well was obviously Mark Leishman finishing at one over par, a uh, 75 today, which is, um, you know, Leish, since winning, probably hasn't been in the best form. Um, which is which is disappointing because, again, he is one of those players that, as you mentioned, uh, the game is better for when they are successful. And the last player I just wanted to touch on, and I have to scroll a long way down here, is Matthew Wolf, finishing mm. in seventy uh, third. So he was actually dead last after day one, uh, firing an, an eighty in the opening round. Uh, just a a nightmare f- opening nine holes. Uh, he was eight over at the eight over at the turn and and. Oh, it was just it was a disaster for for Matt Wolf uh, and then managed to pull it back to i suppose a respectable compared to, to day one respectable one over par and uh, and then shot under par on on Saturday and Sunday was no good again, but I thought that was just worth mentioning, given that uh, we know how immensely talented he is um, he 's a, a big bomber of the ball he 's probably subscribing more so to the the bottom-gouge style of play than, uh, than a lot of people on the tour at the moment, uh, and we know that he's immensely talented. I mean, he finished second at a major at the age of 21, so he's uh, got a huge future ahead of him. So it was just a bit of an outlier to see him that far down the leaderboard. Well, not just in the context of his entire season, but in the context
1: of just a week earlier, mm. <laughs> I finished runner-up, I believe, to Martin Laird and flew home. Mm. Uh, almost put the, the brakes on Martin Led's win at the Shriners Hospitals for Children Open, one of our, our favourite names here on the IDFD podcast for a tournament anywhere in the world, the Shriners Hospitals for Children Open. Uh, yeah, just a week later, he's hitting an 80 in the first round to, to bottom out. So I, I think that's that's a, a great example of you know the gap between his best and worst golf is still mm. too large to compete and that is the nature of... You know these young sensations is on their day they light absolute fire, uh, but then they can have a day like that. Mm. It's also just the nature of golf, isn't it? We mm. see it so often. We see so often a player go out and bomb the week after but they've had a they've had a great performance. So yeah, he's um. I think it's I think it's just that small taste of inconsistency that has me slightly concerned because on his best day, you know he he excites me. I I think he has leapfrogged uh, Victor Hovland. And sits still, probably pretty comfortably behind Colin Morikawa in terms of that that big three. Yep. but it always kind of felt like Morikawa and Hovland had a had a yard or two on him, and now I kind of feel like he's he's leapfrog Hovland. But it's just that that little, as I said, that little sense of inconsistency and knowing that gap between his best and worst golf probably leaves you a little bit cautious on him for now. Oh yeah, I agree, completely agree. Speaking of someone I'm a little cautious on for now, Drudez, uh I, I lied. I said I wanted to talk about one more player. Uh, I want to talk about. One more player now, and this will be it. Um, finishing in T45, albeit jumping 30, sorry, 13, not 30. That would be remarkable Monday one day. Jumping 13 spots today with a 67. Sungjae Im, mm. uh, an absolute out-and-out favorite of this podcast. There's no doubt about that. But poor old Sungjae, you want to talk about players who've been most affected by the pause in golf, I don't know if there's anyone that's been more affected by Jay. Yeah. And that's because the guy literally, literally lives off playing week in, week out. Mm. Like he he had nothing, he can't go home because he'd be drafted into the military. So he he has to stay in America. And the the schedule got shut down there for obviously a period of time. Sanjay was left with no competitive golf to
0: play. Mm. And he's come back and it's like Samson without his hair. It's phenomenal. Yeah, it is. It was a nice 67 today, though. Uh, I mean, that's I mean, we talk about positive signs with with Spieth, but uh, I think that 67 today was a little bit of Sung J back to the, the Sung Jay that we know, um, you know. Uh, but again, opens with a 78, uh, just a dreadful opening day. So, I, yeah, it's funny you, you look at look at momentum in different sports around the world and, and golf is one that's very, very difficult to have momentum week to week. And I think to have no golf for how, I can't even remember how long it was, six weeks, whatever it was um, it clearly has affected Sung J in, in some way, shape or form, because he is, it is like chalk and cheese between him, his golf pre COVID or pre shutdown uh, and, and his golf now, which is, Pretty shit house. So honest. not
1: not not like catastrophic in the technical 2021 season. Uh, 22nd the US Open, T28 Sanderson Farms, T13 last week at the Shriners, T45 uh, this week at, at the CJ. But if you look at and again, this is what makes an absolute mockery of the the the, the wraparound schedule because we're literally talking about different seasons, but we're not really. You look back to a championship, uh, not not bad. Uh, obviously, you finished well there, but geez, truths. I mean, before that, it's not it's not pretty reading. T fifty six cut cut. T thirty five cut sixty third. T fifty three. T fifty eight cut. Mm. Just yeah, not great.
0: <laughs> not great at all, considering Very where average. it was. Yeah. Very you average. look
1: before the before the players third at the Arnold Palmer and he won the Honda Classic the week before that.
0: Mm. Yeah. Off yeah. A yeah. Cliff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel sorry for him in, in a lot of ways. Cause I do really like the guy. I love the swing. I love everything about him. Uh, and it is, it's disappointing to see him playing so poorly. So hopefully, uh, it all just clicks into gear for the great man. And it uh, and he returns to, to playing some, some good golf or the golf that we know that he can play sooner rather than later, particularly with the masters around the corner. Should we go to some of the questions? Yes, let's do it. I'll just pull up the old Instagram. All right. Uh, where do we want to start? Uh, did I get to the WA Open this week at the Fremantle Golf Club? Uh, I didn't, unfortunately. As I mentioned, as we mentioned at the top, I uh, moved into a new place doing renovations. I wasn't able to get out there, but I did uh, track it live on the uh, PJ. Australia app uh, was probably intently following uh, my coach, Glenn Paul, who played, uh, had a really good opening round and then uh, a pretty average second round by his own admission. Uh, Perth Wildcat, Clint Steindl was on the bag, which was really cool. Um, and the other one we were following, obviously, pretty closely, was Hayden Barron, who, uh, who finished runner-up. Uh, obviously, a good friend of the pod is young Hayden, but we must also uh, toast the, the winner. Another Hayden, uh, Hayden Hopewell, who is an amateur. Um, a, a brilliant birdie putt on the second to last hole uh, to, to win the WA Open at Royal Frio from uh, from all reports. Obviously, I wasn't there to see it in person, but uh, he was two shots back to start the day. Um, had a bogey to begin and then just rallied and uh, birdied 16, 17 and 18, which are three very, very tough finishing holes uh, here in WA. So... Congrats to young Hayden on the victory. Uh, it, was, it was a very good performance. Obviously, we were somewhat cheering for uh, Hayden Barron to get over the line. And uh, unfortunately, it didn't, didn't happen. There was the chance of a playoff momentarily, but it didn't, uh, didn't come off. But congrats to Hayden Hopewell. Name to, to look out for. And I'm sure he'll be on the podcast as soon as we can get it done.
1: Andrew, so just while we're talking about some local events mentioned at the top, not only the WA Open you spoke about, but also the Capera Bowl Yeah. Uh, over here, the Capera Golf and Country Club in uh, Brisbane's Northwest, obviously a very famous uh, tournament, it's an r and accredited amateur championship, uh, it's hosted the likes of Mark Leishman, Brady Watt, Cameron Smith, Jason Day, and we add another name to that uh, illustrious list of winners, and that is Elvis Smiley, yes. uh, a name who is rocketing up the charts, still a young lefty, left-handed amateur. I think Elvis is still 18 mm-hmm. or maybe even 19 years old. And he won something – I think it was like 11 strokes in the end. Yeah, um, uh, 13. Still romped at home. Yeah,
0: 13. So uh, yeah, 13 he, strikes, there you go. Yes. Unbelievable. He, He's a national junior champion already. He's only 18. Back-to-back uh Capere Bowl wins for the for the young fella. Uh, shot 62 <laughs> um, on the final day, which is quite phenomenal. Um, and we should also give a massive shout out to uh, Justice Bozio, uh, yes. who is the inaugural uh, female winner, uh, which is absolutely fantastic. Uh, yes. And she played. Um, she's 16. Uh, she's she plays out at Caboolture Golf Club. She's at school on the Sunshine Coast uh, and she has already, you know, she's won some great events, already, the South Australian Junior Amateur and the uh, South Australian Junior Masters. So she won by a shot, uh, which, is, which was obviously a little bit closer than the men's division. But, uh, yeah, massive props to the, uh, to the Queensland duo winning the Capera Bowl. Can I just point out two things? Um, and as you say, agreed,
1: Drew, it's a big congratulations to Justice. Great to see that the competition has now been opened up to the female golfers as well. Um, and we could we could debate ad nauseum as to why uh, 2020 was the inaugural women's uh, section of the comparable Bowl, but we, we will choose to focus on the positive droids, and that's the fact that it was played. Correct. And that young Justice Bosio, the local uh, female amateur, got across the line and, and added to her, her already promising uh, career so far. I just want to mention two things about Elvis Smiley. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously got the Adam Scott bump. One of the uh, yep. young players fortunate enough to play around a nine with Adam Scott over the summer when he was back, and um, whether or not you read too much into that, I'm going to call it officially Adam Scott bump. You mentioned he shot 62. Uh, now, can I, uh, on behalf of any of our listeners in Southeast Queensland who've ever played Capera, humbly suggest that um, to hit 62 at Capera is superhuman. <laughs> And to do it as a young amateur is ridiculous. That is that is one of the tightest, most unforgiving courses in Brisbane's North. Beautiful course, but if you're not on, it can really bend you over on a day there. Uh, and 62 at Capera is remarkable.
0: Yeah, well, there's no doubting that he's immensely, immensely talented. I mean, look, he's playing in... You know Australian uh, PGA Championships and and uh, Australian Opens uh, already at the age of 18. He's going to be he's going to be a genuine star, uh, whichever road he wishes to take. I mean, I imagine that there are a number of schools uh, in the US that would be talking to him. Wouldn't be at all unsurprising if he signed to play somewhere. Um, but yeah, if you, he he could probably turn pro and go quite nicely here on the Australian on the Australian tour if he really wanted to.
1: Drews, while we're speaking locally, because uh, I know
0: there's also a couple of questions
1: related to this, should we speak about the news that came out uh, somewhat, or not somewhat, incredibly disappointing news about some of our major events here across the Australian summer uh, news yeah. coming out in, in recent weeks?
0: Yeah, so uh, two, I suppose there's two questions here that we can address sort of at, at once. How big a blow to the Aussie golf scene is the cancellation of both opens and the men's PGA? That's from Dane M. Sutty. Great fan of the pods uh, and one from at B Hinton. Thanks for, uh, for chucking your question in for the first time. Uh, golf numbers are increasing with COVID. What is stopping increased sponsor interest? So I think these two potentially go hand in hand because uh, if you were living under a rock as a golf fan, uh, the, the Australian open, the, the women's Australian open and the, um, the PGA has been canceled. Um, so it was obviously pushed back to February, uh, which happened maybe about a month ago, I think, if I'm remembering correctly, um, and they've now decided to cancel all three of those events. I mean, look, what's your gut? What's your reaction? What's your first first reaction, Marshy? Like, how do you how do you assess that? Extremely
1: disappointed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I think you and I, without wishing to pump our own tires up too much both working in sports administration Mm -hmm. probably understand the intricacies involved in hosting a national tournament at the moment. A lot of that has to do with the different border restrictions in different states. And obviously uh, this year's Australian events without the ability to attract a lot of international stars in the current environment would rely heavily on... A large number of local talent playing Mm -hmm. and therefore you know would be juggling a lot of different logistical headaches in terms of you know if we hold it in say queensland where an awful lot of the sport has been held in recent months what does that mean for people coming in in terms of quarantining but also going home in terms of quarantining because the rules are different in different states however droids it seems remarkable to me uh and maybe another illustration of how far golf still has to go, that irrespective of the headaches, irrespective of the challenges, an awful lot of other sports have made it work. Mm. Uh, And I'm not – and we can't speak to the decisions that have been made at at head office at Golf Australia, but for the life of me, I can't understand how there would have been some – appropriate golf courses in Queensland to host those tournaments and then you leave it up to the players to make their decision about if they are willing to quarantine either way surely that's a better result than just taking the decision out of the hands altogether. I wish not having one we're Mm. not going to have a tournament we're not going to have a summer actually sorry golf fans you will not have the opportunity to come out and see sure not the best players in the world but definitely the best players in the country it's just not going to happen sorry about that
0: yeah I agree with everything you've said there, I think the challenge, though, uh, and you and I both know this from the jobs that we do, is that these events cost a significant amount of money to mm. run. Um, now, Coke is the, the naming rights to the PGA uh, Championship. Um, and I can't imagine that Coke would have been overly interested um, in hosting an event with no international slash big names no Adam Scott's, no whoever else is going to come down for the, for the, uh, for the events. So I get from a commercial perspective, I absolutely understand where a lot of these businesses have come from. Does it make me any less disappointed as a golf fan? Absolutely not. I'm still, it's, it's a massive blow for, for the Australian golfing scene uh, over summer. These are our three biggest events uh, and to have them all taken away is, is incredibly disappointing. So I don't know where the solution potentially lies if we were to have it. I mean, would, uh, I think there would need to be some sort of government funding uh, and, uh, and I don't think that it would potentially – I think it would be um, unfair of us to expect that Golf Australia and the Australian PGA are the ones to foot the bills to put these tournaments on because I think that would only further jeopardise their already precarious – position um so i i I certainly uh, like that's just the commercial lens of it um and i certainly am still disappointed um but i can understand that if there is no corporate sponsorship uh, or no corporate money coming in then it is simply not viable for these events to run um the thing
1: that doesn't make an awful lot of sense to me though and in probably twofold in the commercial sense. Surely Coke would rather <laughs> an event than no event at all. Understand that they're not going to attract the names and therefore the, the attention that it usually would and without understanding the intricacies of their contract, unless there is the ability for them to literally withdraw support contingent on attendance, surely you'd rather something as a make good than nothing at all. Um, so that's, that's a, that, that's probably a, a large question that I have B, um, the Queensland government have been throwing around the cash to sports this year. I mean, we've had money given to the AFL to bring the competition there. We've had money given to the NRL to bring some of the competition there. We've had money given to some called super netball to bring the entire competition to Queensland. Queensland has literally transformed itself and the Palaszczuk labor government has run an election campaign partly on being the new home of sport in Australia. Mm. So, And again, we don't know. And this is also part of the problem because there's not much transparency in the decision other than to say we're disappointed. Well, no shit. We're all disappointed. But has anyone picked up the phone to the premier's office and said, could you give us a couple of mil to help Mm. us put on this event? Because they seem to have the money. Tourism events, Queensland are going out of their way to roll the red carpet out to sports around the country to bring them to Queensland. I'm pretty sure the NBL and a significant number of games in the NBL over summer are coming to Queensland. Uh, it just, it seems wild that in the current environment, when there's a state government willing to do it, that a conversation wouldn't have been had. And I'd much rather believe that it has been had. And the answer was no, then nobody's actually had the forethought to pick up the phone. But again, Druid's, not much transparency in the communication. So I just no. don't know.
0: No, and I completely agree with you. Um, and I think that, you know, Coke would absolutely rather have uh, an event run than, than have no event at all. But uh, who knows what's going on behind closed doors with a lot of these corporate organisations that have... Um, I mean, look, I wouldn't have thought that Coke um, is, is scraping the bottom of the barrel at the moment uh, <laughs> just based on... On uh, the fact that you know every man his dogs at bloody Coles and Woolworths, I would have thought that uh, that the boys
1: at CCA could stump up a few. Yeah, uh, well, I mean, look, that's the other thing
0: is is what does it cost to be a naming rights partner to the Australian PGA? I mean, look, I I think you know just rereading their um, release where they said there was multiple measures considered, including players entering a hub and uh, completing strict quarantines and uh, restricting crowd numbers and, and movement and all the rest of it. Now I, I just wonder if and the next line is, but all options were unviable. I mean, in unviable in what sense is probably my question. Um, mm. You know, we both work in a sport that hubbed this year uh, and it's incredibly difficult and incredibly tough. But if you were to play the Australian PGA and the Australian open back to back, Uh, there'd be no doubt that I think that anyone who qualified for that event, uh, if they weren't playing on the PGA tour would be there. I mean, you know, we've spoken to, to players uh, on this podcast who, who are absolutely gutted that there is no golf being played uh, at the elite level for the, for the foreseeable future. Mm. Um, so, I mean, look, it's hard to tell because, you know, there isn't a lot of transparency, as you mentioned, but it is hard to to get an understanding of what, um, I, I suppose, what measures were really tried and tested or if there was anything, uh, like, who was the decision-maker behind it all? Was it the PGA of Australia? Was it the ALPG? Was it the Gulf Australia? Was it all three uh, who, who um, made the decision together? But it's just... I think the, the underlying theme uh, is that it is a real kick in the guts to, to golf fans. Um, I can't help but feel that, you know, broadcast numbers would have been really good uh, as would attendance numbers would have been, been excellent. I mean, imagine a crowd walking around, you know, I don't know, some of Australia's best golf courses um, in, in a beautiful part of the world in February, great weather. Uh, it would have been a very, very well attended event. I think they would have collected a lot of money through ticket sales and concessionaires and all the rest of it. Um, But it's a, uh, it is a real kick in the guts. Uh, I mean, look for the men particularly, um, but more so I think for the women, because they don't have um, the level of events that, that the men have here in Australia. Um, so for them to have their biggest Australian event taken away from them, I think is, um, is something that, that probably stings for a lot of our female golfers.
1: I was just about to say, I'd love to know what level of consultation, if any, was had with the players. Because mm. ultimately that's who this, I mean, you, me, every other golf fan would love to go and watch these tournaments, but we're not the ones who have had an opportunity to compete and potentially win these tournaments taken away add our names to trophies that have been won by some of the world's very best golfers that have a remarkable legacy that have an, a potential to be a launch pad for a career and have done so in the past. We're not, we don't have that opportunity taken away from us. Druids. Mm. love to know how much consultation was given to the players because honestly to suggest that it wasn't viable is ludicrous. And like, I, I know that I keep banging this drum, but shit, Drude's the PGA tour announced just last week that there'll be fans at the Houston Open the week before the Masters. Mm. Yeah, Honestly, America is a dumpster fire at the moment in terms of coronavirus. And the PGA Tour is letting fans in to Houston the week before the Masters. I know for a fact that the rules up here in Queensland around outdoor sporting events are far more relaxed than indoor sporting events. The Gabba. The prelim final on the weekend had twenty or thirty odd thousand people at the Gabba. Imagine that stretched out over a golf course. Mm. So to say that you would have to limit crowds, yeah, of course a little, but not too much, given yeah. the wide expanse of a golf course. You spoke yourself about how much you could make back in ticket sales. To say that the players, to your point, if you had the tournaments back to back weekends, wouldn't be willing to come and be in a hub for maybe three four weeks tops. Is ludicrous.
0: I, 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 it not being viable doesn't wash with me. That's crazy. Pati- particularly when there's no other golf being played. Like it, our friends in Victoria who uh, would have to go up there, quarantine for two weeks, play two weeks of golf and then go home. Like, uh, what are they going home to? They're not going home. There's no, there's no Australian PGA tour this year. There's no tour of Australasia. There's nothing. So I think even if we had got these two events out, it would have been much better and, you know, looking at, you know, James Sutherland, you know, said that they made the consult uh, the decisions were made in consultation with the, their staging partner, Sport 5, and, um, you know, just on the advice of domestic government authorities, yada, 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 the call was made of the, the health and well-being of the golfing community as a priority. I mean, like, I just find it hard to believe, like, even if there were no international players, and I, that, that means – Players who are currently playing on tours uh, in, in Europe and, and America and wherever else around the world, even if it was just purely an Australian, um, an Australian event or events this year, I think that still would have been far better than not having anything at all. Ultimately, like you know, if Coke didn't want to put their hand in their pocket to to give themselves naming rights because they were worried about exposure or you know the financial impacts of COVID-19 or or whatever the reasons were I can certainly understand that but I I just feel like that's kind of got if that's the reason that things have been cancelled then I just feel like that's probably the more important message to send because I think it sends a broader message that golf continues to need corporate support which to to the point that um, you know, we were asked on Instagram that golf numbers are increasing, so why is golf why is sponsor number decreasing? Well, I think you know there are a lot of businesses who who can't afford to put their hand in their pocket right now. Like it's it's simply not viable, and I and I completely get that. But if Golf Australia had to come out and just said that you know we need a new naming rights partner to the Australian Open, there would have been a business in Australia that would have thrown their hand up
1: completely agree and and I was literally, I was literally just about to say that the answer to the second question lies in the answer to the first mm. and that is the attitude or the unwillingness to exhaust every option to get things across the line. That's what prevents corporate sponsorship. Druids, the bloody Sheffield Shield kicked off last week. I know. Two blokes and a dog go to that. Yeah. Honestly, they run on fumes. And have run on fumes for years and they've managed to get it off the ground in a variety of different locations across the country. Yeah. To suggest that, again, to suggest that it wasn't viable is absolutely absurd. Like absurd. And that is the attitude. It's the unwillingness to exhaust every option. It's the unwillingness to adapt. It's the unwillingness to, you know, shed the cloak that's, you know, been thrown over the game for 30, 40, 50 years? That is the answer to the second question we got. That's what holds it back because you could have as many people walking around playing golf casually and socially as you like. It doesn't translate to an attitude that is bold, that is innovative, that is willing to try new things, that is willing to change and, and maybe just maybe break out of the, the mould that the game's been in for the last 80 years. That is what holds it back from further commercial sport. And it's a revolving door because like a commercial sport doesn't allow it to grow. And we're in a vicious body cycle that we've been in for far too long.
0: Yeah. I, yeah. Completely, completely agree with what you said. And I think, you know, from our perspective, pre COVID-19, uh, you and I had some pretty grand plans around the Australian PGA championship. Um, you know, even, even with the Australian open, we were hoping to to achieve a few things, obviously being in Queensland, it makes it a lot easier to be able to do things together. But I think, you know, even we ran into roadblocks with some of the things that we want to do. So to your point, talking about attitudes and change of attitudes, I think that's, that's the shift that needs to happen. There needs to be more, um, more openness and willingness to change, which allows the, the game to grow and, and, you know, everyone to have a greater slice of the revenue pie um, and because sport is competing against, uh, sorry, golf is competing against other big sports for corporate dollars. Um, mm-hmm. and when you don't have key events throughout the year, when you don't have marquee events throughout the year, the game will continue to go backwards. Um, and that is the unfortunate nature of, of where we are currently at with these three events being canceled. It's very disappointing. Yeah. Very disappointing. That probably ends our uh, significant rant. <laughs> I would suggest. Thanks for coming to our TED talk. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, look, yeah. In closing, it's it's really disappointing. Um, it is a very very disappointing announcement. When I saw it, woke up and saw it, I thought, bloody hell, this is this is going to have a big impact on a lot of people, particularly players. Uh, it's who just shit ass. That's it what it is. It's, it's absolutely shit ass. And that's exactly right. Well put. Any other questions? Uh, probably the only one. Only one uh, from at Braden McCubbing, a great friend of the podcast. Purchased a 19th uh, a T Podcast hat, which I have dropped off to him, and I haven't seen it leave his head. Uh, he was, sleeps with it, I believe. Yes, he was out in the. Uh, he was out. I think I can't remember where he went, but there was photos of him wearing uh, wearing it on social media but uh, thanks for the support Braden he just asked when can we expect a 19th t golf tournament well we have had some initial conversations about this you and I marshy yeah um we need some corporate support (laughs) we need some corporate support so if anyone's listening uh, and would like to get behind a nine eighth t podcast uh tournament then then by all means uh flick us an email or a a message or or however you'd like to get in contact with us uh carrier pigeon couldn't care less Get in touch. Uh, yeah, we have had some conversations and hopefully we will have something uh, up and running maybe in 2021. I suggest that's probably a, a more realistic timeline.
1: We would love
0: nothing more, Droids. let's be
1: honest. Mm. Uh, it's probably just, unfortunately, as with many things and many plans we had for this this podcast across 2020 uh, and, and life in general has been put on the shelf for the time being. Uh, and, you know, we were fortunate. Um, by virtue of your job uh, to spend some time together in person but probably not uh, probably not in the nature of that, what we'd hoped in terms of doing some things for the pod. So yes. definitely on the cards. Um, might have to be in a national series or tour with events on either coast. Uh, yes. But, yeah, we'll yeah. we'll make it work. We'll come yeah. up with some format. Um, <laughs> for now, we're just happy to play around with each other let alone
0: get a bloody tournament off the ground. But we will dream big. We we'll will dream big. We will. We shall. Uh, that's all the questions. That's, uh, that's rounded us out nicely. Do we have anything
1: major to I, – I did, I did want to raise, because I, I said it in the opener, remiss of us not to acknowledge and congratulate uh, Young Kim, who was the winner of the KPMG Women's PGA Championship. So we had one of our women's majors in the in the break. Where we've uh, had off recording the last couple of weeks. And Young Kim was the winner there. So just a big congratulations to Young Kim for
0: taking out the second women's major of the year. Yes. Yes. Congratulations. Very much. So in order, one, I did have to mention, uh, and that we have just by way of our recording schedule, uh, which kind of went down the gurgler as everyone would well know over the past couple of weeks, uh, we missed a pretty key milestone in our podcasts life. I think we did. Yeah. Cause I, I, I think I know where you're going and
1: I keep waiting to jump up and down about our hundredth episode, which is also fast approaching, but it is Please share with the listeners what milestone we missed. Well, we turned one.
0: Um, We did. (laughs) Which is quite wild. Um, You know, we, uh, I suppose this brainchild um, was probably. I think it's generous to call it a brainchild. Yeah, it's (laughs) right fast. Um, That we came up with probably six months before we launched. Uh, We've, you know, in, in a year we've achieved a lot. You know, we've upgraded our equipment from episodes one through five, which was absolutely dreadful. Uh, when we look yeah. back at the equipment that we we were using, um, yes, we've recorded in person. <laughs> we've played. Finally, played around the backspinners has launched. Uh, we've had mm. some incredible guests in the first year, uh, and we have surpassed fifteen and a half thousand downloads, which is massive. And a huge thank you, I suppose, to to every single person who's given us a listen, subscribed, uh, told a mate. About it, um, which is the most key thing that you can do for us. If you can tell one plus, one person that you're playing golf with this week, uh, this weekend, that you, they should listen to the 9ST podcast, that would be massive because we can keep growing and keep doing cool things. But uh, without the listeners, uh, the third co-host of the podcast, uh, this, the third uh, wall, <laughs> this, this <laughs> little bloody, uh, this this little this little. <laughs> I don't know brain fart if that's what we're calling it. Um, it doesn't exist. So huge props to everyone. Great roads
1: couldn't have said it better myself. I'd be remiss of us not also to acknowledge the the support of uh, a few of very fantastic partners who've jumped on board yes. this year and the good team at Future Golf and also Gauge Roads. Yes, uh, with a few more to come. Some exciting announcements coming in the next few weeks. Uh, yes. But I completely agree with you, man. It's been it's been quite the ride. I don't think that. Um, you or I would have been envisaged uh, eighty odd episodes down the track. You know, uh, eighteen months ago when we first started talking about this, no, I um, certainly would have been envisaged fifteen and a half thousand downloads. Um,
0: no, I think we set the goal at maybe I think we said if we could get to a thousand uh, in in sort of six months, we would have done well. Um, we did, we did. It's I don't, I don't think
1: we would have expected people listening in Iceland. Um, <laughs> Or or Brunei, for that yep, matter. The Sultan. But the stats don't lie. Uh, we are a hashtag data podcast, <laughs> and we've we've got an international listener base. Uh, it is a great pleasure, Druids, and it is uh, I don't know about you, uh, or like it, it's honestly it's it's a little humbling to think that you and I are sitting here gas bagging for an hour each week um, has any sort of impact on other people's lives in the sense that they are willing to sit down and listen to it each week. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty amazing really. Um, and it is. we are very grateful for, for people's time. So it's we been are. a bloody pleasure. And um, I, I, it's a bit weird. I don't know. I, I don't know why I don't necessarily see it as a significant as our hundredth episode. I'm not entirely sure. I think I'll be a <laughs> bit more up and about when we, when we crack the ton episodes wise, which is not too far away, but even that trades, you know, to look back and think that we've been going just over a year now. We've almost essentially been doing two episodes a week. Um, yes. We're, are crazy. A
0: sl- so, we're a slave to our own, uh, <laughs> to our own content yes. schedule. Uh, we, often, we often joke that nobody holds a gun to our heads and tells us to get two episodes <laughs> a week. <laughs> and sometimes we just forget and go, why are we putting ourselves under so much yeah. pressure to get two episodes out this week?
1: In fact, people probably be pretty thankful for the break. <laughs> I'll be happy with the one episode a week. In all seriousness, I think, mate, um, I probably reserve my my largest thanks to you. Uh, we, we, we do joke about the 80-20 split, but you do do an awful lot of the heavy lifting on this podcast. Um, we do joke that I'm only really good for an intro and outro. Um, it's becoming increasingly more so the case. Uh, at this point in time, but uh, yeah, you've outdone yourself, mate. A large part of our um, our journey and our growth and our success in the past twelve months is down to your exceptionally hard work. So, thank you, mate, for being an exceptional co-host.
0: No, appreciate that, and, and uh, same back to you. We've uh, we've both put in a lot of work in year one, many more years to come. Who knows what the future holds? And just on that, Drew, it's I think a nice way to finish,
1: um, given that we have celebrated our first birthday. I just wanted to raise. Uh, that We have for a great majority of the time in our first year suggested that if this podcast had a spirit animal, it would most likely be um, Shane Lowry and the hours following his Open Championship victory in 2019. Not the Shane Lowry who walked up the 18th green, not the Shane Lowry who played, more so the Shane Lowry who then jumped in the car, drove the hour and a half back to Dublin in his favourite pub and spent... Um, many hours into the wee wee hours of the morning celebrating. That is the spirit animal of this podcast. (laughs) Might I humbly suggest that a new competitor for the spirit animal of this podcast has emerged? Um, Explain. uh, It went viral last (laughs) week in golf Twitter circles as a (laughs) takeoff of uh, another video that went viral. You might have to tell me about TikTok. I'm not really on it. No, I've got it, but I don't really get it. Yeah, something for the young kids um, and we digress. We, we ramble a little bit here but long story short, there was a video that went viral on TikTok of a uh, an interesting looking fellow who I believe is based in Los Angeles uh, riding his skateboard mm. um, along and drinking a uh, what looked like a 1 or 1.5 litre bottle of ocean fresh cranberry juice <laughs> um, to Fleetwood Mac's dreams yeah. uh, and Thanks. mouthing, mouthing uh, the the back end of the the chorus or sorry the back end of one of the verses. Now that went absolutely uh, bunter in the in the internet age. Uh, it led to the CEO of Ocean Fresh um, donating that gentleman a cranberry red pickup truck with a tray full of cartons of Ocean Fresh cranberry <laughs> juice. It led to the CEO of Ocean Fresh. Uh, also doing his own version of the video on a skateboard uh, with an ocean-fresh cranberry juice. It led to, I believe, a 2,000% increase in the streaming of Dreams by Fleetwood Mac.
0: Yeah, number two on Billboard.
1: Number two on Billboard. Um, But, Drudez, and to round it back to what I said is going to be the competitor to Shane Larry's celebration of the Open Championship, it gave birth to Harry Higgs (laughs) doing his own version of uh, the ocean-fresh TikTok. Um, we haven't spoken nearly, not nearly enough about Harry Higgs recently on this podcast. He is fast becoming one of my favorite golfers, everything about him that I love, and that was only reinforced by his takeoff of the Ocean Fresh TikTok. Yes. It was outstanding. And it's for as much as I enjoyed the Gray McDowell, Tommy Fleetwood ripoff on the European Tours account a couple of days later, it didn't do up Harry Higgs's shoelaces, and I would humbly submit that Harry Higgs's uh, Ocean Fresh TikTok, TikTok takeoff—say that five times fast—may well now be in the conversation with Shane Larry as our spirit animal of this I podcast.
0: I will, uh, I will accept that as a uh, as a worthy nomination. Very, very funny content. It was elite in the elite category of content.
1: A really roundabout way and and quite a long way of um, just bringing that in because we haven't had a chance to talk about it. I think at the time I suggested that it probably deserved some FedEx cut points. <laughs> shit, we hand them out for less. So he probably could have had a, a couple of FedEx cut points added onto his tally. Yes. Um, if you haven't seen it, immediately following this, in fact, pause this now and go and watch it and then come back and listen to a sign-off. It is
0: excellent. <laughs> Top quality. I'm going to watch mm. it again, I reckon. Mm,
1: so I'm, uh, I'm going
0: to go right now. i <laughs> go right now and watch it. Great song, by the way, too.
1: It's an outstanding song. <laughs> Absolutely outstanding. So we'd put a yeah, bit of it awesome. in this
0: podcast if we could, but you know, copyright all the rest of yeah, right?
1: yeah. Well, I mean, can we can we play that little snippet? Everyone seems to be able to on TikTok.
0: Yeah, I don't know. You know, knowing our luck, yeah, we get it taken yeah,
1: down. No, let's let's not take the chance. <laughs> Maybe we just Maybe just, right. just did that It gets past the TikTok yeah. Alright mate that's, uh, that's probably enough Rambling from you and I It's been a bloody pleasure It's been, yes. it's been good to be Back in your ears it It's has. bloody good to be
0: Talking to you again yeah. I've missed it uh, Me too It's the highlight of my week Recording these conversations uh, And just general brain farts that mm. come into our heads. Also, Druidstar. I think we're only about a month away from the Masters. Just quite Yes. Long, so. We are. Yep. Wowee. We are we? Very, very close uh, and rapidly approaching. Looking forward to that one. Plenty to come on that and, and more. Catch you next week, mate.